Next, I'd like to introduce. Throw your hands in the hair if you're a true player. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? That boy is good. Good and terrible. You hold your breath when Shaquille O'Neal comes careening into your lap. He's going to give a special greeting to Daniel Baldwin right here. This brothers should have a boxing match against the Baldwin brothers. Really? We'll take them out in the first round. Who would you take on? Youngest, medium, old. On all three of them, actually. Now that I really think, yeah, I wouldn't need any help. I think you two dudes are going to become real homies. Where do we find these guys? Oh, man, I hate those guys. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey, now, and welcome to the Daniel Baldwin Show. Yes. Isn't it weird when people speak in third party, Josh? That you're talking about yourself yeah. doing your show. Yeah. Yeah. Should I say, should I say, and welcome to my show. Welcome to our show. Welcome. Yeah. Say, yeah. Well, no, negative. No. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh... Josh, talk to me. Jam-packed show today. Uh, We will talk, as we do uh, on a weekly basis, with Coach Jerry McNamara, courtesy of our friends over at Drivers Village and Burdick BMW. I believe uh, maybe lovely Robin is over there driving her 28th BMW at this very very moment. I don't know. uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's, it's, It's crazy. It's a lot. It's she can't find a car she likes. So we'll talk to him probably coming up here in about 15 minutes. Of course, you guys know how to get involved. Hit us up at... ESPN Syracuse on Twitter. You're coming in here uh, in a little bit of a tizzy. Is something going on on the phone? You just got a call? Well, you know, I'm going to tell you how it relates to sports in a minute, but I got to say, uh, uh, I think there's enough people out there, particularly in the Syracuse area, um, that that know that I'm an advocate for sobriety and that I, I freely give my services to doing um, interventions and speaking to um youngsters or anyone really that wants to listen or needs help. Um, so uh, the following conversation took place just minutes before, uh, and I'm going to make up the name to protect the uh, the innocent, but um, this woman reached out to me on Facebook because I put a post out there saying, look, if you're struggling with addiction or you have a drug or alcohol problem, please reach out to me and private message me, and I will call you and see if I can't guide you, help you place this person into recovery, whatever it is that they need. So this woman reached out to me last, probably about maybe 10 days ago, and she said, my daughter is shooting heroin. She's part of this terrible uh, heroin epidemic. And I don't know if people realize just how bad this problem is now, but let me throw a couple of numbers at you so you can put it into perspective. Um, 47,000 people died last year in 2016. 47,000 between the ages of 15 and 25 due to overdoses. This year... Over 60,000 people will lose their lives in the United States, which is more people dying than died in the entire Vietnam War. So, 10 years ago, overdoses were not in the top 20. Now, think about this statistic for a minute. Overdoses were not in the top 20 as the causes of death in the United States. It is now in 10 years the number one cause of death for people 50 years old and younger in the United States from not in the top 20 and in one decade is number one in that age group. So I would say that we have a terrible epidemic going on. And where does this go back to? Well, it goes back to prescription medications, which is why I'm going to relate it to sports. So Johnny is the star quarterback at such and such high school. 
big program, really, really affluent schools, you know, and I'm talking Scanny Atlas, you know, some of the some of the bigger communities that have plenty of money. This is no longer an inner city problem or low socioeconomic problem. It's everywhere. And he tears his knee up. And the doctor says, well, I can do this laser surgery and he can be back on the field in three to four weeks playing again. Everything's good. And they prescribe him after the surgery 90 oxycodone or 90 Vicodin. Or, and the prescription comes in a big bottle. And unbeknownst to your son or daughter or even you, by taking those pills, by the time you're done finishing that prescription, you are absolutely hooked on opiates. So the following scenario happens, which happened to this young girl that I'm going to tell you about. You take the pills and suddenly you have a physical craving for the opiate in your body. And so somebody at school sells them or they know somebody who sells them. And at $20 per pill in the black market and you're taking six, seven, eight, nine pills a day, you have a $150 plus habit a day cash. How many 16, 17 or 18 year old kids can sustain a $120 a day habit? Well, you can do the math and figure out what that is after a month or so. And when they finally drain, steal, and do all the different things that they do in order to keep up with that habit, the same guy that has the pill takes out a little white bag of powder. And he says, you don't have to spend anywhere near as much money, and this is going to last a lot longer. And then, believe it or not, your star quarterback or your star athlete or your track runner, whoever it is, who is getting straight A's, his grades start sliding, and he's shooting heroin in the bathroom at the school. And it's happening everywhere. Every community has this problem right now, and central New York has one of the worst problems in the country. So I am placing three, four, five kids a week into recovery in facilities that are out of state because you really don't have the necessary facilities built in the state of New York, or certainly not in central New York. Here's a statistic for you before I continue the story. Auburn, New York, little Auburn, New York, I believe their population is about 70,000 has the highest per capita Narcan rate in the country. EMS and police departments in Auburn, New York, are Narcanning six kids a day. That means six kids a day are dying and being brought back to life by snapping this little thing under their nose, and they inhale it. Six a day. So, let me continue the story that happened before I got on. So, Connie, who's in trouble, is found in her living room today with a needle broken off in her arm, and she's categorically and clinically dead. Fortunately, I had had the conversation with her mother last week and said, please do me a one favor. If you suspect what you're saying and the symptoms and, and, and the situation sounds to me like she's probably shooting heroin and you haven't found her doing it yet, please go get a Narcan kit and have it in the house, have one in the house, one in the car and one in your purse. And she listened to me. And sure enough, she walked in to find her daughter dead in her living room and she snapped the Narcan under her nose and revived her. She then took her and called EMS. EMS transported her to the hospital, where after they stabilized her, they let her go. And the mother said to me, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to protect her. I said, well, I do. I've got a bed qualified for her in Texas. I'm going to send her to this program called SOBA. And I'm going to put her in there, and she's going to stay for at least 90 days. Your insurance has already been qualified. I took care of it. She's ready to go. You just need to buy the plane ticket. And if you can fly with her, she's, well, hang on a second. Hal gets back from his business trip on Monday. I need to go over this with Hal. And I immediately froze, and I held the phone, and I tried to compose myself. And I said, I'm sorry, did you say that you need to talk to your husband about your just recently dead daughter in your living room? to figure out whether or not you need to send her away to get some help. Well, I do. To make a decision like that, I need to talk to Hal. 
So without malice or blame or anything, I then told her my concern. Just remember, if it happens again and you don't get there in time, I can't help you anymore because your daughter will be gone. Let me know how you want to proceed. And I got off the phone. Now, that's a a tremendously frustrating call that I've been coaching this woman on seven phone calls now to have her daughter come that close to death and not have the cooperation of the parent to take my professional advice on it and send her away immediately before something terrible happens. And remember, I have received that call before. This is probably the 50th time I've had a parent say, well, I want to check with work if she can get off. And the kid dies. Mm. And they're gone, and there's nothing I can do. So it's very frustrating to me. I hope this girl is going to be okay. But I will tell you, if you're a parent out there, um, these painkillers are the source of the problem. They are most definitely the source. Not that there isn't a place for them to be used properly, but you want to get your kid off those painkillers as quickly as possible. Monitor the use. Keep them yourself and dispense them as needed and then start breaking them in half after they're over the first few days of a surgery or whatever it is because they are bad news and they are causing a tremendous, terrible epidemic in this country right now. We're losing a generation. That's what I was going to ask you. If a kid, let's say, let's go back to that star quarterback, rips his knee up, he's in the hospital and the doctor offers him painkillers, what does he take? What does he do? Well, again, um, you know, I am am sober for over a decade and Mm -hmm. there's a reason for that. I had a problem. So when I go to the dentist, they use Novocaine, which is a derivative of cocaine, which is what the medical and medicinal purpose for it as a numbing agent is used. The minute they put that in my mouth, and it's really one of the only alternatives to having them drill your tooth, you Mm -hmm. have to be that numb, I immediately get that sensation. I don't drive there. I have someone take me. The euphoric recall of having that taste in my mouth and everything is very, very dangerous to me. Not that I think that after I get a tooth worked on, I'm going to run out and go buy cocaine, But I don't want to find out, so I take all the precautions. Now you're talking about a drug, when we talk about opiates, that creates a physical addiction. You actually get what's called dope sick. You get sick if you don't use the drug continually. And then they come out with subs, suboxone and different things that you take, methadone you can use, which stops you from using the opiate. But now you're hooked on suboxone or methadone, which is what you're supposed to take. When you go into soba. You get one, if you're a heroin addict, you get one full Suboxone on Monday, one on Tuesday, half on Wednesday, half on Thursday, quarter on Friday, quarter on Saturday, and you're off drugs. That's it. We don't want you on anything. We want to teach you how to live your life and stay sober. So, uh, you know, everyone has their own opinion on what they should be doing medically. I believe that life is better in dealing with life on life's terms. And, uh, and pain is there for a reason. Pain is a, is a signal. Pain is good. It tells you, hey, this is bad. You've hurt yourself or whatever. So when you get out of surgery, it's supposed to hurt. Mm-hmm. Don't run around. Don't walk around. Put your leg up, elevate it, let it drain, watch TV, take a couple of days off. And if it's excruciating pain, take one of the pills. But why doctors are prescribing 90 pills when you take one every six hours for a simple surgery that they tell you within a few few weeks you're going to be back on the field playing? You don't need to take them beyond a few days. You don't. They're over-prescribing the medication because it's a business. And the interesting thing about the business is the same people that are prescribing the drug that's getting you hooked on it and then it turns into heroin now have the cure. They have Vivitrol and they have Suboxone and they have all kinds of other ways. They've got you hooked on the pills and now they got the answer for you to get off the pills. Mm-hmm. So they've cornered the market. This sure. is a monopoly for them. So they don't really care. If they cared about you, they would turn around and pass a law that says you can only get the prescription and have to get it renewed every seven pills. Do that. Yeah. Do that and watch how fast. Doctors will be happy. You've got to keep coming back into the doctor. Insurance companies, they're not going to be happy. That's who, who rules the day. 
is the insurance companies. But it's a very frustrating subject for me because I watch the deterioration and, and the demise of so many young men and women. Uh, and, you know, I can only give them my experience, strength, and hope and hopes to, to help them. But a lot of them don't make it. I've, I've, watched, uh, yeah, I've watched a lot of kids die this year, man. It's been really bad, really bad. So. And to Daniel's credit, he does take these calls all the time. And that's why it's coming into the show is because he literally got one on the way to the studio this right now. Yeah, you can if you have a friend, a family member, or it's you, it's completely confidential. This is my private to my phone if you email me right now. Baldwin help at iCloud.com. Baldwin help at iCloud.com. If you email that email with your concern, I'm going to email you back me. No one else answers it. There's no one else that sees it. Nothing comes right to me on my phone and my computer at home. And I will take the time to talk to you, to advise you, to help you in any way I can to get this person the help that they need, including placing them into rehab, finding, finding, you know, scholarships sometimes I can get. You know, I have guys here in Syracuse that help me with, with even if you just have Medicaid, I'll figure a way to help this kid out. Go ahead and email me. It's no BS. He will get back to you. All right. Well, thank you, Daniel. That was uh, heavy, and we appreciate it because a lot of people already checking in saying they uh, appreciate that segment on that uh, problem here in central New York. Other side of this, the assistant coach, Syracuse men's basketball team, the soon-to-be great Jerry McNamara. We'll come back. It's ESPN Radio, Syracuse. Tune in every Monday as Hall of Famer Floyd Little talks SU football with Steve and Seth on Orange Nation. Brought to you by Drivers Village and William Matar. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Orange women back in action Thanksgiving versus Wisconsin. Orange pregame 1045, tip time 11 o'clock. On the pulse of the orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. ESPN Radio Syracuse, this is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Joining us now on the phone, assistant coach to your Syracuse men's basketball team, Jerry McNamara. Jerry, now that we've got a few games under our belt, do we feel like we're settling into a starting five, or a, a lineup that we can count on? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think we're starting to establish some sort of rotation. You know, I think the first few games were a little bit difficult because we faced, you know, quite a few zones. You know, I think the Oakland game was really good for us because we got a team to pressure us a little bit. We got a chance to work on our man-to-man offense, you know, which in, in the first few exhibitions wasn't, you know, to put politely, it wasn't the, great, the greatest vision that we've, we've ever put on the court. So uh, it was nice. It was nice for us to get out on the court and, and, and be able to execute a little bit against, a, you know, a defense that we're probably going to see a little bit more often as the season progresses. But, yeah, you know, I think, you know, the, you know, Marek's emergence has kind of, um, you know, been the biggest, not surprise, but I, I you know, I think, uh, you know, it, it's been, it's been the biggest boost, I'd say, you know, his, his ability, not just on the offensive end to, to create opportunities for himself for offensive rebounds, but he's really smart. You know, he's, he's played with energy on both ends of the court. We've seen him fake and come back and steal the ball. Uh, when the opposing team is inbounding it, you know, a few times now. So, uh, you know, he's really emerged and, and kind of implanted himself in, into the rotation. And, um, you know, the way he's played doesn't look like he's going anywhere. So, you know, and then last night, Pascal, you know, it, it was the best we've seen him. You know, we've seen him in stretches in practice where he's been able to alter shots and be aggressive and finish on the offensive end. But, you know, I thought last night was, was you know, the best we've seen him so far. 
You know, I watched the game and, and, and I watched the highlight reel a couple of times. And, and you know, my, my projections of where and, and a meeting with Jim at his conference. And I said to him, you know, you're, you rely heavily on the perimeter shooting, which when you get into ACC play against teams that will have multiple big bodies in the paint, how are you going to combat? Is it going to be rebounding by community? You know, is it we're going to be just scrambling really hard because it's going to be tough to match up with paint with people in the paint unless you're shooting at a really really high percentage to compete within the ACC. But then yesterday's game, your center shows up and the guy's a monster in there. Yeah, he was terrific. You know, I mean, if if we left him out there, he he legitimately had a chance for a triple double. You know, he, he needed two more blocks. You know, I think the biggest thing, too, when you add Barama into the mix, and we saw in the first few exhibition games that he was a factor around the rim as well. So, you know, it's it's somewhat of a two-headed monster. I think we need, the first and foremost, we need to get Barama healthy. He's been having some, some knee pain, and, um, you know, that that's the most important thing is we have to get him back to full percent, you know, full 100%, because he's not moving the way he was. Um, you know, but Pascal picked a heck of a time to, to show up and, and, and alter shots, and it's going to be a, a huge, huge thing for us. You know, we weren't a great defensive team last year, but we were a really good offensive team. Uh, you know, when you lose the likes of Andrew White, uh, Tyler Lydon, and, and John Gillen from the perimeter, you know, it takes away a lot of your three-point shooting. And t- I think Tyus Battles picked that up a little bit, and Frank Howard's really improved his jump shot. Um, you know, but we only took eight threes last night. I thought it was our most efficient, effective game that we've played f- so far, certainly from an execution standpoint, but um, you know, on the defensive side, you know, to go back, Daniel, to you know, to your point, is is it has to be by committee. You know, I, I think Matthew Moyer has proven that he could be an efficient rebounder. O'Shea certainly proved it. Pascal has proved it. Brahm has proved it. Uh, and now Marek has proven it. So when you have that that type of you know of power on the inside, it's you know we have to use it to our advantage. It's been you know one of the areas it's difficult to rebound out of the zone. Uh, it's been one of our areas over the years that's given us a little bit of trouble. We've usually made up for the disparity in rebounds with our ability to turn people over. Um, you know, that's what coaches always said. Listen, when you play zone, you know, you're, you're going to be a little bit vulnerable to giving up some some rebound chances. But because we're so active, we're also going to create a lot of turnover opportunities, too. And we created 19 of those last night. I mean, we did a great job defensively last night. That was our best performance. When you talk about Oakland and you know, they're, they were averaging 82 points a game, and, and we hold them to 50. You know, they're a pretty potent offense, and, um, you know, it was a, a great collective effort, and, and you know, we're going to have to do it that way. You know, obviously, Tyus Battles, the alpha, and he's going to be a guy that's going to go out and, and be able to score some points for us, but, you know, we had three other guys in double figures, and we have one or two other guys that are capable of doing it, too. Geno Thorpe's more than capable. Barham has proven he could do it. Um, you know, we still need to get Maddie, Matt Moore going a little bit, but, um, you know, I like this team. I mean, they they play pretty unselfishly. Um, you know, I think Frank Howard said it best after the last game that you know we have we do have a defensive chemistry this year, and I think that's going to be hopefully our, our you know our strength and something we can hang our hat on as we move forward. Well, one of the things I saw the game before this that that, that exposed a little bit was that quick alley-oop pass they were making to their center because he was also a big guy, and he had you know probably four or five inside quick feed dunks that without the presence of somebody big, but you know, they, they don't have statistics for changing a guy's shot or creating yeah. a miss and certainly having that big man in the paint. Really, cha- I, I really like watching the team play. I mean, they, they really, you know, in the beginning watching them play, you know, Cornell and some of the, you know, Southern Connecticut's and stuff in the preseason, 
Yeah, again, that that's a chemistry ball movement, get your plays down, so kind of thing. But it's not a test. They looked really good last night, Jerry. They really did. Yeah, we were efficient. You know, when when you talk about, you know, we shot at forty eight percent from the floor. But you know, I, I think everything gets magnified when we're that active defensively. It, you know, in in the seven footer from from Texas Southern, the kid Reed. Uh, you know, we knew going in. Uh, you know, and, and we scouted it quite a bit the, the prior day of, of, listen, we understand when they get in the paint, they look for this guy. This guy's capable. You know, the problem is when you get an easy high post touch, it puts those centers in such a difficult position. And, you know, do, you, do I come up and guard the high post or do I stay back and protect the rim? If I stay back, he has a shot or a drive. If I come up, he has a lob. You know, so I think early on when they got one early, this is as many as he got because I thought two of them he got in the second half were difficult, and he he was able to go up and catch them. But we also turned them over twice. You know, two times uh, the center faked up and stayed back, and they threw it, and we stole it. So it's kind of the give and take and and the beauty of of Coach's zone that he's always been able to adapt and change it as, you know, not not just – every game per opponent and, and your scouting report. But as the game progresses, he's always done such a great job of manipulating where guys are and changing it as we go, where we're vulnerable, let's change this, uh, where they're hurting us. So, um, yeah, he, uh, you know, the kid, Trayvon Reek, really finish it. And, 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 you know, we saw Pascal, those seven, two guys that they don't come around that often. And when you throw it up, you have those guys that are, are able to catch it and put it in. It's such a, a weapon. One that we, you know, on our side of the ball, we need to continue to utilize him. And you know, I thought we got him once. Frank got him for a lob last night, but we also missed him twice. Um, so there's well, more opportunity twi- for us. You missed him twice, but he also, instead of just alley-oop lobbing it, he took the ball in the low post, a small head fake, and just turned and dunked it anyway. He looked like Elijah one a couple of times, a young, a young Hakeem. Well, that goes back to his, you know, he, he's, he's improved. He really has. You know, I, I think – you know, being that big, as soon as you bring it down to your waist area, you're at our level now. And once you're at our level, we're going to dig and claw. And, and, and that's been the biggest progression for him is, is, you know, not just keeping the ball up, but he's he's been able to power through, you know, a couple double teams. And, you know, O'Shea made a great drive along the baseline and dropped it off for him. He caught it and dunked it. Tyus Battle did the same thing, great drive along the baseline. He caught it and dunked it. You know, they say a lot of times that sometimes it takes big guys a little bit longer. We saw a few years ago with Fab Mello, um, you know, the time he was a sophomore, I mean, it, 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 it was a dramatic change in his, his ability to read things a step quicker. And I think that's where we are with Pascal. You know, this guy's, you know, we, we tend to forget he's, he's really essentially three years removed from playing, you know, with, with the transfer and then the eye injury. So, um, you know, big, big stride last night. We're, we're very, very happy with him. And, uh, he was everywhere. I mean, and, and, you know, the coach of Oakland said it as much after the game. You know, say what you want. That guy changes things. And, um, you know, now the, the exciting thing for me is if you can get Pascal to play. I mean, he, he doesn't need to be that great every night because I think that's unrealistic because he was so good. Um, but if, if he gives us that type of effort and that type of energy and then you have Barama healthy, um, you know, that position, which gave us a few issues last year defensively, certainly is turning around and looking like it could be a big strength of ours. Yeah, man, I'm very excited. Hey, listen, um, w- one thing I got to – well, there's two things quickly I'm going to bring up. Number one, there's been this whole thing, my theory on Dino Babers, and that he's done two years at one college, two years then he goes into Bowling Green, and now he's here in Syracuse. And my point was, you know what, if I'm him and I'm his agent, I'm moving now. So 
Now, I tell you that story because I used Bayheim as my example. If you're a Syracuse guy and you've played at Syracuse and Syracuse is your home and you love the Orange, you turn it into a 42-43 and Jim's going to stay until Jim goes. Is Jerry McNamara the heir apparent? Oh, you know, wait, you, you, I, I tell you, you just throw it right out there. Huh? I do, I'm not afraid, man. I'm coming down to shoot threes with you, by the way. I want the invitation to the practice league. 57 fat, and I can stick. I'm coming down. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you want that action. I don't know if you want I can still shoot it. I can't run up and down the court. I, wanna shoot play it a you. Bit. I don't want to play you. I just want to stand so I can say I stood next to the Mac and we shot. We could do that. That's, That's all a- I want to do. That's a layup, as they Are say. You the but to answer your question, Are you the answer your question, no. um, you know, I, I don't even think about it, to be quite honest with you. You know, I, the way I've kind of approached my my situation at Syracuse is to to you know, at the end of the day, I need to make my players the best they can be. I've been very, very lucky since I've been here to work with some great players, some unbelievable kids, and we've had some excellent teams. Now, the last few years, um, you know, we hold ourselves to a high standard, and, and we take it very personally. So. Um, you know, first and foremost, my only thought process is, you know, getting Syracuse back to where we need to be, and that's an NCAA tournament every year, competing for national championships. That's my, that's my sole focus right now. That starts every day in practice. It starts on the recruiting trail. It starts getting the right kids in here that we need in the future, which we're, you know, heading in the right direction. Uh, we have a young core uh, that we feel like after last night's game, you get a little bit more positive about because you can start to see them coming together a little bit. Certainly on the defensive side of the ball, offensively we're not even near where we can be. Um, so, so you know, I, I don't think about those things. I just try to be the best I can and make my players, um, you know, the best they could be with the way we work out, the way we approach film, and uh, you know, you do those things. And you know, listen, do I want to be a head coach one day? Absolutely, no question. So, um, you know, that, that that's that that'll take care of itself when when time comes. Right now, my focus is is on the present. Well, I got to tell you. Been a fan since the very, very beginning. Four years, never missed a start, blood and guts, and one of the greatest basketball players to ever wear the orange. I'm a big fan, man. I really am. Appreciate it. Thank yeah. you very much. appreciate that. Thanks for coming on, Mac. Thank you so right, much, guys. Jerry. We'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. See ya. Get on the block with Brent Axe. If you believe that an athlete, a high-profile athlete, is on scholarship and therefore that's good enough, then you must think your rotary phone is good enough at home. I've got a phone and it works fine. Things advance. We have technology. I have a phone that also can connect me to the Internet and I can read emails and get text messages and all sorts of great things like subscribe on iTunes to the ESPN Circuit page. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. The home of the Giants. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now, and the great Jerry Mack. He's he's classic, man. He's he's good stuff. Of course, I've got to thank our friends for bringing us Jerry Mack. Drivers Village and Burdick BMW. We'll talk to Jerry every single Tuesday here on the Daniel Baldwin Show. Can I tell you something? I have been down to Drivers Village. Mm -hmm. I've been down there with my wife now. I think she's on her 15th car. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I can't. You don't even know. I'm not kidding. Larry. Larry. So she's she's now out in, in a car that she's driven twice already. She's out in this car, mm-hmm. and she's driving around. They are, Lou Brego and his guys and gals over at Driver's Village are the most patient, lovely, professional. I mean, they are, it's just been 
unbelievable how much <laughs> they have bent over. But no, no, I kid I you agree. not. I agree. I would have by now said, go buy the car somewhere else. Yeah, I, I would have I told you that. I I, they have the patience of saints. There, but but it's just the the um, how classy they've been. And mm-hmm. what, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. What can I get you? I'm ready to take her out back by the woodshed. <laughs> shoot. Yeah, and they, and and they're like, you know, no, no, don't do it, don't do it. We'll just Please. get her. We'll just let us just get her another car. What is her hang up right now? You know, it's not a hang up. She's uh, um, she's very selective. Obviously, as you can see, the man that she yeah. is, she's very picky. Yeah. Oh, I like it. No, I agree. Uh, obviously, sure. she has no taste in men at all. <laughs> but um, but but when it comes to automobiles, she makes up for that mm-hmm. because uh, she's you know she has this issue with her neck and where her hand position is on the wheel and does it go this way and is it the right size and that we have two giant two hundred pound dogs and. You know, and then the kids and mileage, and she, and by the time we're all done, I just go. I get in the car and I, I, I rip around the corner and I go. That's pretty cool. I'll take that one. Yeah. You know, and if I like how it looks on the outside, you know, uh, is, is it reasonably priced? You know, mm-hmm. and, and their prices there are, are really competitive, and they've made amazing deals. But it's I just they've gone so far at Drivers Village beyond any reasonable expectation that you would have with someone trying to be of service to you. I'll never buy another car anybody else but them. Have have we made any progress? Is like today maybe a closing day tomorrow? You know, I she's leaning towards it's between Audi, BMW and um a GMC. I think it's down to 3 from 20 so let's see there's there's like 26 dealerships there and she's driven like two cars from 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 at least 6 of them. Sure. Yeah, she she so sure. you know what? But you know the answer, don't you? What? Yes, honey. Yes, honey. Whatever you want. Yes, honey. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Whatever car you decide yeah, is absolutely fine with me. Yep. Uh, Lou Brego, God, he is he is one of the finest men I've ever met. <laughs> He's one of the finest men. He whatever just. I go, Lou. I'm sorry. She just wants to go. One. Don't worry about it, Daniel. Have her come down and pick it up. Yes. I'll, I'll have the car waiting out front. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's like he's like a saint. Mm-hmm. He's like a saint, and they back it up with the best product in Syracuse. So, what can you say? There you go, Daniel. Bowman. I got to bring something up. Go. I got to bring something up. So I listen to the Axe Man. I like listening to the Axe. He's good at what he does. You know, he's really good at what he does. Um, they have some really talented people here. And so I haven't listened a lot to the radio. I mm-hmm. mean, but now that I have some time and I have a vested interest in seeing what my constituents are working on and what they're doing and getting more topical about Syracuse sports in particular, I'm pretty savvy about sports nationwide and even internationally. But in the smaller market of Syracuse, personally in the university, I have I have some things to still learn. So... Um, so I listened to Axe yesterday. He brings up a great point, and this is something I wanted to touch on. So good was it that I want to I want to reiterate some of it. So this whole thing that Dino Babers' comments um, about uh, how the community responded in this press conference, he made a comment about after the Clemson win that he felt that the community and, and I'm going to paraphrase, but but was irrespon was 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 irresponsible about how they responded and and how and 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 Axe's take on it was. Um, you know, no, we didn't. The media didn't. And at one point, I think he makes reference to that uh, uh, Coach Babers pointed at the media, specifically the section where the media was, and saying that maybe the expectations that the fans had and maybe the expectations that the media put upon um, um, the team was uh, was too much or, or accelerated too quickly and that Coach wanted to point out that this is a building block situation. But you know what? That goes out the window when you're talking about the fans. I mean, I, I have to, I have to concur that if you're paying, and I've gone to football games now where I went online to go buy tickets, and you know, to get in really good seats for a basketball game is 240 bucks a ticket. So if I'm going to spend 500 dollars to go see a game, 
I want to see my home team win. I do. Yeah. You know, and so and, and then I'm going to buy the jersey and the jacket and I'm going to eat some food and I have to pay for parking. I've gone. So by the time I walk out of this place, I've spent 600 bucks on a single 700 bucks on a football game. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, you know, I want to see them win. And when you knock off Clemson, it is reasonable to expect that after you've beaten Clemson, that you can beat two and four Florida State. You know, you, you obviously your your um, the bar has been raised, and the expectation, particularly from a fan who may not understand as much the intricacies of college football and of sports, and how on any given Sunday a team you know can lose in in, in, in any athletic venue. Um, but but still, um, I felt it was um, um, kind of silly of him to to not 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 know that the expectation was certainly going to rise, and to uh, to downplay that. Um, certainly, I would think that the thing you wanted most of all was to make sure your team didn't get too cocky about beating them, and look beyond the fact that that game is over. It's a great win for the uh, probably one of the greatest wins ever, if not the greatest upset in Syracuse football history. I believe it was traced back to the Nebraska win in '84. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the was the next biggest one? This might have even been bigger because I think we were rated number 76 in the country at the time. When it was we a big Clemson. upset, yeah. So it was a big game. Um, well, he's already issued an apology. Did you hear this? He's gonna air. It's gonna air it tomorrow on Brent's show. Oh, is it? Yeah, he just basically said he used the wrong word. He said, "quote I don't write speeches. I just go up and do it cold turkey, whether people believe it or not. I've done every talk or speech I've had like that since I've been hired here, and I just used the wrong word. He's just claiming he used the wrong word. I see. Well, you know, listen. He he gets a buy, in my opinion. Um, I still say, um, um, come September next year, he's he's at uh, you know Kentucky. <laughs> that is a hot take right there. I know, I'm telling I know you. you don't believe me. I know you don't believe me. I, know, I, I Again, I'm not saying anything about him. I'm saying in the world that I'm from, you know, meaning uh, Hollywood and, and the movie business, uh, if you're on a TV show and some and you start to come up your character and some other show comes up and says, if we can break that deal for you, will you come here? Here's how much we're going to pay you. Blah, blah, blah. You're now risking that while this show you're on now is hot or is topical, or you have the opportunity, do you risk staying on the show you're on now when you know you want to be on a primetime bigger show? So you're on a daytime soap making good money, and it's the number one soap. But then ER offers you a storyline to go, you know, we don't know how long your storyline's going to last at ER, but ER's going to pay me $75,000 a week to work for two days versus a soap opera which pays $1,500 a day. So which one are you going to do? So I, I, my theory of he's in the conversation with some big schools. I don't know at four and eight if he gets that offer, but certainly if he doesn't take that offer now, then that means he has to go to a bowl game next year and the year after before he's back in that conversation again. He beat Clemson this year. Mm. The same thing, exact thing that he's saying, you know, the, the expectation of the community and all this other stuff that he said in this in this conference is exactly what his agent is saying to head to 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 chancellors and athletic directors around hey you know what my boy just beat clemson this year and dungy was hurt and the team's defense is not my defense that i recruited at this university so while the iron is hot with that win and he can make that topical i think he's crazy not to go that doesn't mean anyone's offering it to him matt sat with me matt park and said 
how many you've got to sell that coach at four and eight to come coach at at uh, you know Louisville or come coach at mm-hmm. uh, the conversation was Florida. He was in the mix with I read online that he's one on a short list that they're talking about because he runs an exciting offense. I I just thought you know what if I'm him I go now if the offer is made if the offer is made because I'll come next year you might it, what is it burn the hands worth two in the bush is that what we're talking about Larry Larry sure Larry, All right, thank you Larry talk to us <laughs> about <you>. the bush. <laughs> Larry knows about Bush. All right. Yes. No, I, I see your point to that. All right. Well, we'll come back, get ready to close things out here. Hand it over to the Axeman on ESPN Radio Syracuse. The Syracuse Crunch are back home this Wednesday to take on the Rochester Americans. I'm Lucas Favalli. Join me on ESPN Radio for Countdown to Crunch Time at 645, followed by Puck Drop at 7 o'clock on ESPN Radio. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't that uh, uh, oh the, from Genesis? Isn't that Phil Collins? I don't even know. It's got to be Phil. Collins. A funny you, thing happened can, on the way to the. Can you look up the the uh, the source of that music? No, we'll have to ask the great what? Polly. What? Oh yeah, it's, there Phil, is. Collins, it's Phil Collins. It? Come on, man! Why do you want to fight with me? Do you know the song "Coming in the Air" tonight? You know that song? Oh, do I know that song? Of course. You know the song, the story. No. <gasps> I need to hear it now. <laughs> rock and roll guy, we're going out with a rock and roll story. I don't know my... the "In the Air Tonight" okay. story. I hear you coming in oh, the I, air tonight. Okay, ready? Do, 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 do. He's in summer camp. Okay. Phil. He's at the back of the line when they're moving to sleepover camp with his best friend. And he turns around, and this is a, a paraphrase in the story, but it's pretty close to accurate. So they're on their way to, you know, arts and crafts or whatever, and Phil and the other kid break off the back of the line and sneak back down to the lagoon. Mm-hmm. And now Phil has always wanted to climb the big rock structure, and he was too young to do it. He was like seven or something like that, so he wasn't allowed to do it. So they're there all by themselves, and he decides he's going to go climb up this big wall of rocks. So he's climbing up the wall of rocks, and the other kid that's his best friend says, I've never been able to swim all the way out to the big kid's buoy. So he swims under the young kid's buoy and out to the big kid's buoy. He gets there, fills at the top of the rocks, and is really far away and looking down at him. He starts coming back, and he can't make it. And the kid starts to drown. So he's watching his best friend at seven years old drown in the lake. And a counselor, who's like 17, comes walking out, walks knee-deep into the water, and stands there and watches the kid die. And lets him drown. Now go back. He's at like Wembley Stadium. He tracks the counselor guy down who's 10 years older than him. Sits him in the front row and sits on the edge of the thing and says, so you can wipe off that grin. I know where you've been. It's all been a pack of lies. And sings him the song that he wrote to tell him, if you were drowning. And he turns around, he tells him. I, I know it was you. I watched you watch the kid drown, and you did nothing about it, and sings him the song. Come on, baby. Whoa. Big rock and roll story coming from the sports guy. I like it. I knew you'd like it. I knew you'd like Holy it. Holy smokes. How much time I got? You got two minutes. Larry, two minutes, and I'm going to go over this with you really quickly. Are you ready, Larry? He's okay, in a so- great mood. Larry is just an amazing... God, I just hate him so much. (laughs) Do you hate Larry? I just hate everything about him. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to go over with you 11 sports that were formerly Olympic sports. I love it. Go ahead. Are you ready? Yep. Live pigeon shooting. (laughs) They used to actually... That's a Swigo County every night. Go ahead. They used to blast live pigeons. Swimming obstacle course. They swam around obstacles in the pool. I like it. Okay. Tug of war. Oh. 
Tug of war. I'm later be doing that later tonight. Long jump. Larry <laughs> <laughs> be having a solo tug of war later tonight. Long- <laughs> hey, he's alive. Listen, Larry chimes in. He's a gold medalist. Long jump. L- long jump for horses. Oh, I like horses. Okay. High jump for horses. <laughs> I love any horse activities. I love- <laughs> Plunge for distance. You had to dive under the water and go as far as you can like you did when you were a kid. Yeah. Plunge for distance. Yeah. I like plunging. Yeah, that's right. that's Croquet made. was an Olympic sport. Love it. Rope climbing. <laughs> an Olympic sport. That's where I, my sexual awakening happened. Tan. <laughs> Tan. <laughs> Sorry, we're running out of time. Tandem bicycle sprint. Very nice. Standing high jump. Stand. Okay. Underwater swimming. They actually had the whole what? race underwater. How is that possible? It was an Olympic event, my okay, friend. Okay, that's fine. And there it is, number 11, underwater swimming. Wow. Which one would Larry most likely win a gold in? Solo tug of war, of course. So, no question to be had. Solo tug of war. There he is. He's alive. Wow. All right, we'll hand it over to the Axe Man, of course. We will be back tomorrow with your day before Thanksgiving show. It's going to be a big show. That's all I can Look say. Look at how much he hates doing the Larry show. Larry hates, hates being it. in here. We By the way, him. I'll be calling Larry Thanksgiving Day to say hello to his family. <laughs> He's demanded it. There's no other... Disp- oh, all right. We'll hand it over to the Axe Man. Keep it locked right here. ESPN Syracuse on Twitter. This is ESPN Syracuse Radio.